Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome in to a TGIF edition of Texans All Access from Monday Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, getting ready for another visit from the Seattle Seahawks. Now, when I say another visit, it's a little odd because every eight years we play the Seahawks in Houston. The odd part was for some reason, things got switched around in 2009. Played in Seattle in 05, played in Houston in 09. We're supposed to be up in Seattle in 13, but for some reason they moved that game to Houston and they moved the 2017 game up to Seattle. And both of those were, oh boy, wow. I was actually today went back and watched the 2013, not the full game, but like a condensed version of the 2013 Texans Seahawks game. And that's a Seahawks team minus Percy Harvin. That ends up going to the Super Bowl and winning the Super Bowl. Just completely trouncing the Denver Broncos in that Super Bowl. I remember the first play of the game. Ball snapped over Peyton Manning's head. Two points right off the bat. And Denver was chasing the entire game and never had any chance of catching that Seahawks team. The thing about it as I watched that game, for about three and a half quarters, the Texans completely dominated. I mean, you're talking peak J.J. Watt, peak Cushing, Ninja, Antonio Smith, uh, J. Joe, and Kareem. And J. Joe is going to be a part of the festivities on Sundays. We'll get to that on Sunday. We'll get to that a little bit later. The offense had Brandon Brooks, Chris Myers, Wade Smith. Now, Dwayne Brown didn't play in that game. And that was Ryan Harris who played in that game. Dwayne didn't play in that game, and I'm trying to remember why. I'm assuming it was, a, it was an injury of some sort. But Dwayne didn't play in that game, but my God, an offensive line. Holy cow. Arian Foster, Hop, Dre, Owen Daniels, Garrett Graham. Holy smokes. When you think back and go, that team went 2-14? Now, Cushing did get hurt against Kansas City, and Hop was just a rookie. And there were probably some other injuries there. I think Arian was banged up for probably the last half of the year. And it just, you couldn't get going in the right direction. But watching that game and all of the players in it on both sides, oh my goodness. I mean, Cushing forcing a fumble on Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Marshawn Lynch's run out of the shadow of his own end zone. That game is just crazy. And of course, Richard Sherman is the one that has the pick six and takes it back. But wow. I mean, that game was, it's one of the great games at Energy Stadium, minus Richard Sherman's pick. (laughs) And that was obviously the issue in 2013. Matt Schaub just took a nosedive. Case wasn't quite ready. And TJ just couldn't summon the magic from 2011. And they were just close games all year, and they just couldn't get over the top. I mean, they were ahead of the Colts by how many at halftime. Anyways, point being, that 2013 team gets more consistent quarterback play, and there's no telling where that team is going to end up. I mean, it was just – they just couldn't go in the right direction. If they hang on to that win, they're 3-1 and one getting ready for San Francisco. Now, maybe they don't beat San Francisco, but – because that was a good San Francisco team. But they end up playing the Rams next week. They beat the Rams at 4-2, and two, and now they're kind of off and going. But it didn't happen, and uh, Wow. That was eight years ago. That was the last time Seattle was in that building. Bobby Wagner still making plays in that game. He had a fumble recovery in that game. Uh, that was just phenomenal on Ben Tate. That ended up leading to three key points for the Seahawks 
uh, in the late third quarter. And that was kind of what got the Seahawks going. So hopefully that doesn't happen because Bobby Wagner is still playing in this league and still doing a tremendous job. Now, I started going on a far-raging path of 2013 and I'm not even going to do that with 2017 because being on the sideline for that game, I'm, I'm, that's the greatest football game I've seen live. Greatest game I've ever seen live. I used to say it was the 2012 SEC Championship game with Georgia and Alabama. It was 32-29. Chris Conley caught the last pass, but no timeouts, and he slipped down at the five-yard line. They couldn't get another playoff. I used to think that was the greatest one, but 2017 was the greatest one I've seen live. It was incredible. Uh, incredible. And the Texans, unfortunately, haven't won either one. Russell Wilson Led the Seahawks to come back wins in the fourth quarter in both of those. And hopefully that does not happen on Sunday. Now, we got a lot to do. We're going to talk to Tremont Smith, which I've been looking forward to. Tremont's a guy I've been watching for a long time. I had called a couple of his games when he was at Central Arkansas in his senior year. One against HBU where he makes a pick that is just stupid good. So I love that Tremont's going to be around here. Uh, I think he's the right fit, whether he's at a DB or he's returning or he's contributing on punt cover. Whatever Tremont's doing, he's doing a great job of it, recovered that fumble at Tennessee. So Tremont Smith with our deep slant interview of the week. We're going to have Brevin Jordan doing a little Drew's Dozen tonight, and he'll also join us for Drew Doherty's final word. We've got my keys. We've also got my predictions presented by Caesars Rewards for every way you play. And we kick off tonight's show with your head football coach, David Cutler, you sat down with Mark Vanamy to talk about Davis Mills, new starter at quarterback, and many other things. Mark, take it away. Coach, with Davis Mills, he had some experience before, sat for a while. Now he's back in the lineup. What does that sitting time, that observation time do for him, Coach? Well, obviously, when he was in there, he was thrown in there uh, all of a sudden, and he had to learn on the run. And right. basically, I thought he did a nice job of handling that situation. And then when Tyrod came back, he got to sit. But I felt like the six games that he played to that point will be invaluable for him moving forward. And he prepared just like he was a starter when he was the backup when Tyrod came back. And he expected it at some point, if it ever came to this, he'll be ready to go. And that's what the backup quarterback should do. Davis at home did a good job protecting the football. So how do you balance that versus taking some risks to move it downfield, big plays, whatever you're looking for? Well, you know what? Getting the ball down the field is okay, you mm -hmm. know, and it's not about taking a risk and knowing that something bad is going to happen. It's just that when you make good decisions and you're getting the ball down the field, we throw it down the field. He's just got to make sure that he's seeing what he's seeing. And if mm -hmm. he's seeing the right things, you make the throw, regardless of if it's a deep throw or, or throw outside the numbers, inside the numbers. You just make those throws, and you be comfortable with what you're doing. And I feel like he's comfortable with that now. Seattle gives up a bunch of yards, but not too many points, Coach. So it seems like they're pretty good at stopping people in the red zone. They have been very good. Though. They're one of the top red zone teams, defensive teams uh, in the league. And uh, I hope we get to test them to mm -hmm. see how good they are in the yeah. red zone. And uh, we'll see if we can't make them a little bit not as good as what they have been. But the key is you got to get down there. And uh, when, when they've gotten down there, they do a great job, Mark, of keeping the ball in front. They do a great job of with their eyes seeing things. They don't do a whole bunch of man coverage. Uh, they make you hit the seams and make you throw the ball where there's nobody at. And when you're down in the red zone, everything gets tighter. Mm -hmm. You know, things happen quicker. And, you know, you got to be precise when you're down there. 
Coach Russell Wilson, how important is it to keep him in the pocket? How do you handle him? You face Kyler Murray. I know they're not the same kind of guy, but they both make plays on the run. How do you handle Russell Wilson? Well, make sure our, our outside rushes are containing. Mm-hmm. Make sure if he comes out of the pocket, he goes back up in the pocket instead of getting outside the pocket. But when, when he does get outside the pocket, the thing about him is he's not looking to, to run the ball. He's looking to throw the ball. But when you make him stay up inside the pocket, when he gets ready to throw the ball, you get your hands up. There's been a bunch of batted balls uh, when he steps up in the pocket. But we just got to keep him contained. And there's going to be times when he's going he's gonna to get loose. He's done it his whole career. We've just got to contain that and keep it to a minimum. Coach, we talk about special teams every week, but this third phase is really important in a game like this, field position-wise and everything else. It is most important. Uh, and uh, obviously, when you're playing complementary football and one group is not taking care of their business and everybody's not doing the right thing, usually you can always go back to your special teams and look for something positive to happen, whether it's a – a kickoff return, a punt return, or getting them backed up, changing field position. Mm-hmm. And this is the kind of game where it is so important uh, because they kind of play the same way. Thanks for the time, Coach. Good luck. Thank you, Mark. And there we go. Davis Mills going to be the starting quarterback. Coach Cully confirmed that today at his Friday press conference, which a lot of times is not – he. He does want. He doesn't really do a press conference on Friday. He meets with the media, but don't do it publicly. But in something like this, he decided to say publicly so every station in town, TV and radio, could get the audio and use it to his and or hers discretion. So Davis Mills is going to be the starter. We'll talk about that in our keys in our next segment. We're gonna talk. We're gonna do our keys in the segment early, but. Uh, We'll talk about that and what the keys to the game to be. And how does Davis Mills go against this Seattle defense? And of course, we got a lot to talk about. All right, we got a lot to talk about with this. And this is the Friday status report. And with the game on Sunday, this is the injury report that I always wait for. It's at this point of the year, you, you look at it and go, wow. Uh, there's a lot of guys on this list, and it's not surprising. If you've been watching Hard Knocks, the in-season Hard Knocks, which I think has been fabulous, very, very good. A lot of foreshadowing of things that happen, and of course, because it's not preseason games, it is stars that they're miking up, that they're following. Um, not guys trying to make the roster that maybe nobody knows. Yeah, it ends up being a good story, but with the stars, it's pretty interesting. I, I, I've really found it and not just because it's the Colts, but I found it pretty interesting. But one of the things that they really focused on in this past episode was how banged up everybody was. And they were, just, from Xavier Rhodes to DeForest Buckner to Carson Wentz, really how banged up everybody was and is. Well, it's like that throughout the league, and that was kind of their point. And that really hits home in this particular game. The Texans have two four, six, eight, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18 players on the injury report. Now, if there is a bit of good news, only one player is out for the Texans. That's not the case for the Seahawks. We'll get to them in a second. But only one player is out. That's Terrence Brooks. Now, that's not great because I want 
uh, TB to be back in the lineup, but he is out dealing the hamstring. He did not participate in practice all week long. So not surprising with a hamstring, he is out. Kevin Pierre-Lewis popped up on the injury report on Friday as a DNP. And that typically, I'm sorry, he was a limited participant the first two days. My bad, I missed that. He was a DNP on Friday, so that's not trending. You want to see limited, limited, full, not limited, limited, DNP. Well, he's questionable. Limited participants. Oh, boy. Brandon Cooks, deal with a back issue. Now, Brandon was a limited participant in practice on Wednesday. But he was, I believe, back full. He wasn't even listed on the injury report on Thursday. He pops up as a limited participant on Friday. He is questionable. John Grenard. Grenard has been dealing with that foot issue. So he was limited on Wednesday. DNP on Thursday. Limited on Friday. He's questionable. Brevin Jordan dealing with a hand issue. And God bless Brevin. This was... I think it was uh, the Jets game. You know, when guys come over, I just kind of, you know, shake hands, dap them up, whatever. And so I reached out like I was going to shake his hand. He's like, sorry, bro, I can't do it. I'm like, he goes, I hurt my hand. And that hand continues to be an issue. He's a DMP on Wednesday. He was a limited participant on Thursday. He was limited on Friday. He's questionable. A.J. Moore, dealing with a hip, did not practice the first two days at all, is limited. So he went. DMP, DMP, limited. So he's moving the right direction. He's questionable. And then Jimmy Moreland dealing with a foot issue. And I don't believe that he was on any practice. Yeah, he practiced Wednesday, Thursday, popped up with a foot issue, limited participant. He is questionable for Sunday. Full participants, guys that showed up on the injury report throughout the week. Justin Britt, Malik Collins, Nico Collins, Titus Howard, David Johnson, Christian Kirksey, Jacob Martin, Justin McCray, Terrence Mitchell, Tyra Taylor, all full participants today at practice. Titus is the only one that was new. Um, he had an ankle issue limited on Wednesday, limited on Thursday, but then he was a full go on Friday, and he is a full Go, ready to go. So I would imagine Titus to start at left tackle. So Britt, Howard, both in. That's good for the offensive line. Justin McCray should be back dealing with that concussion. So we'll see how the Texans put together their offensive line, whether it is Justin McCray back in or it's going to end up being Max Sharping as it was last week. Now, the Seahawks list is nowhere near as long. Two, four, six, eight, ten, eleven. However, of those 11, four players are out. Now, one of them, I'm not totally sure why he's on here because he got hurt last week against the 49ers. It was reported that he had surgery on Wednesday, and that's Jamal Adams. He's out. So it doesn't matter to us for Jamal Adams what happens over the last how many ever games. But I don't understand why they didn't put him on IR. I guess they think maybe he'd come back. Who's to say? But Jamal Adams, Pro Bowl safety, out. Travis Homer, who last week, as a personal protector, took a snap, went 73 yards on a fake punt, touchdown in the first quarter, 
He is also out. Brandon Shell, a tackle, is out. And former Texans seventh-round draft pick, Kyle Fuller, offensive lineman, out with a calf. Questionable, and this is big, because if Adams is out, you've got to have the other pro bowler back there, and that's uh, Quandre Diggs uh, out of Angleton, played University of Texas. He is questionable with a calf. Everybody else in, Damian Lewis, Jake Gerhan, DJ Reed, DK Metcalf, Brian Monet, all in. Kyle Fuller, offensive lineman. Brandon Shaw, offensive lineman, out. Jamal Adams, Pro Bowl safety, out. Travis Homer, calf, hamstring, leading rusher last week because he had that 73-yard touchdown run, out. Oh, wow, that was long. And I'm not surprised you get to week 14 and it's all hands on deck. So uh, the Texans will be without Terrence Brooks. The Seahawks will be without four players. Key in each regard, Kyle Fuller has started. He has played some uh, on that offensive line. Jamal Adams, obviously, is a Pro Bowl safety. We will not see two players in Laramie Tunsil, Jamal Adams, that were traded for first dual first-round picks. We've only seen that with one other player, and that's uh, Jalen Ramsey, non-quarterback. Non-quarterback, only three players. And Jalen Ramsey's one. Laramie Tunsil and Jamal Adams over the last couple of years, those have been the three guys. Two of them for these franchises will not play on Sunday for their respective teams. Now, a guy that I'm keeping my fingers crossed is going to play on Sunday is Brevin Jordan. Well, he sat down with Drew for a little Drew's Dozen. Drew, take it away. Brevin Jordan, rookie tight end for the Houston Texans, is with us. This is your first Drew's Dozen. We're excited to have you. Okay, you were born on July 16th. There have been some very notable folks also born on that date. Will Farrell. Wow, I did not July know that. July 16th, yeah. Jimmy Johnson, the head football coach of the Cowboys way I back when. Now he's on uh, yep, TV. I knew that. Carly Lloyd, the soccer star, the female soccer star. She's maybe maybe the best soccer player ever. I did uh, not know that. Yeah, she's she was born that date. And the great Barry Sanders. You've seen him. I knew that. He's I knew pretty that. good. Yep. Let's do the top five of those. Where's the ranking go? You're in there. I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the rank. Yeah, I'm, rank those five on July 16th. I'm, I know I'm dead last. Okay. okay. Um, Humility, that's a good string. Right, good, I'm dead last. I got to put Barry Sanders on the top. Actually, nah. Jimmy Johnson. Shout out to my guy from Miami. Okay. You know what it is. Jimmy Johnson at first. Give me Barry Sanders at number two. Mm-hmm. Who were the other? Will Ferrell and Carly. Oh, Lowe. Will Ferrell. That's Gosh, pretty big, man. It. Yeah, you're knocking him down if he pegs doing this ranking like that. I got to put Carly Lloyd at three, Will Ferrell at four, me at five. Okay. But you're you're a Will Ferrell fan, right? Big Will Ferrell fan. What's your favorite Will Ferrell movie all time? Oh. You got a couple. You got, what are your favorites? <sighs> favorite movie by Will Ferrell. Mm-hmm. I got to say Step Brothers. That's a pretty good one. All right. You know, we're in a spot here where there's plenty of space for activities. We're not going to do activities, so uh, no, no karate or anything. Okay, I understand. July 16th is also Guinea Pig Appreciation Day. Did you know that? I absolutely did not know that. Do you know anything about guinea pigs or no, have I do one? Not. No, yeah. sir. Neither have I. I just thought I'd throw that out there to see if you had something fun to say. <laughs> Sounds who's, your, cool. who's your all-time favorite NFL player? Woo! Like when you were growing up, who did you just love, adore more than anybody football-wise? Or was it baseball? Or was it basketball? Was it something else? Man, I couldn't even tell you. No, there's so many. There's so many. I, I mean, peel them off. We don't have to have just one. I'll know? probably go with growing up. It was always Bo Jackson to me. Yeah, that's a good Bo one. Bo Jackson was my guy. I just loved. I just he was just such a freakish athlete, and he played baseball. Yeah. So, but I mean, now that I've you know I I got transitioned to tight end in high school, so okay. tight ends weren't really like my guys that I looked at and admired at at the time. What were you playing before that? Running back. I oh, was a running okay. Back my yeah, whole life. Right. Yeah, yeah, I got yeah. moved to tight end in high school. It then. 
But now that I'm a tight end, I'll probably put Antonio Gates up there, mm-hmm. Dallas Clark. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple guys, man. It just the list goes on. Honestly, I'm pretty old. We saw a lot of Dallas Clark in a lot of bad ways with this organization way back when because he was an Indianapolis Colt. And did, he was a did problem. So many good, yeah, yeah he, he was did a problem. stuff. Guy throwing the ball was pretty excellent. Absolutely. Hey, what was your first job ever? I've never had a job. This is my first. This job. This is your first job. Yeah. How about that? Right. That's not a bad start. Right. Good stuff. Uh, I was a lifeguard my first job, so you that sounds you good. Me. That yeah. sounds fun. You're from Las Vegas. Best thing about Las Vegas that people don't really know about. It's very diverse, but for me, I would say it's just the, the, the bond that everybody has. I mean, a lot of people in Las Vegas are just so nice. Like, you could be walking up and down the street, going to grab your Starbucks or something, and somebody would just be like, like, hey, how are you? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just, it's just a lot of people out there are very sweet, and I would say just the bond that, you know, local Vegas people have with each other is pretty cool. You think that's maybe in part because so many of them are in some way connected to the service and hospitality industry, and so it's kind of in their nature now Absolutely. at that point? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. How, how often do you get back or, or want to get back when you can? I try to get back as much as possible. I mean, the bye week, I yeah. was back out there. I mean, Vegas is my home, man. My my grandfather, my grand, my grandmother, everybody on both sides, my mm-hmm. mom and dad, so they all live out there. So Vegas is literally like my home. Is it fun when people come to visit you that aren't from there? Oh, it's always fun because people just literally think about going to the Strip. And I'm yeah. like, we don't go to the Strip. Like, that's the most tourist thing. Like, we go to the Strip to go get some food or something, right. like some fancy food. But we don't just go to the Strip. So it's always cool. So what sort of fun stuff do you do when, when- – Say, really get some just, buddies from college in. I mean, really just hang out with friends, go to like stuff like Top Golf. I mean, you can yeah. go doom bugging out there. There's a lot of stuff. You can go snowboarding when it gets to winter. So, oh, I yeah. mean, there's a lot of fun stuff besides the strip. Who's better on a snowboard, you or tight end Pharaoh Brown? I, was, I knew you were going to ask that me. No question. Really? Pharaoh Brown's elite. Don't, don't get me wrong. He's That's probably, how elite you are. Yeah, huh? he's elite. But You're I think, super elite. I think I'm coming with a different type of pressure. Can you wake surf like uh, him? No, I can't do that. I can't wake surf. Have I'm you, more so just a fishing guy. I just like to go fishing, and that's that's really just my cup of tea. Saltwater or freshwater? Both. I mean, when I went to Miami for college, I got a good taste of saltwater yeah. fishing. Saltwater fishing was so fun. Though, that's man. the good stuff. What if, what sort of stuff did you catch down there? Yellowtail, tuna, barracuda, mahi. I mean, everything. Dolph, everything. Yeah. Literally everything. It was so cool. It's different down here. It's the Gulf. we got some good saltwater fishing. I need to go fishing out here. Do. I do. do. Yeah, we'll, we'll make that happen. We'll figure that out. Best Christmas gift you ever got was what? My eighth grade year, me and my two brothers, my mother, we got a cabin, Park City, Utah, and we just spent the weekend out there and went snowboarding. That was our really? Christmas gift. Yeah, as we got older, you know, I don't really believe, this is a lot of credit to my mom, but I just don't really believe in items. Like, yeah, I'd yeah. rather create memories. Yeah, it's so, a great experience. Right, huh? absolutely. Wow, that's a fun time. Had you started snowboarding by that point? Oh, yeah, I was, yeah, was <clears> full-blown <throat> snowboarding. I started snowboarding, like, maybe sixth grade. You were already elite at that point. I was pretty much good, yeah, man. I had the footwork and everything going. You got a favorite Christmas song? Probably, honestly, just because it's a classic, All I Want for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey. Honestly. It's a great one. Right. It's just a classic. Yeah. Can't Can you believe there's it. a lot of people out there that hate, that hate on it? If there's anybody that hates on it, I'm sorry, but... It's like hating on greatness, you know? Yeah, you can't hate on that song. Yeah, right. It happens. Get some, some milk or something, because you can't hate on that song. Hey, this is weird, but what's your favorite exercise in the weight room? What's your least favorite exercise in the weight room? My favorite exercise, I'll probably say bench press because mm-hmm. i mean i'm only 20 years old so my chest is kind of ch- like i have a childish chest so like i'm trying to get my chest up <laughs> and then my least favorite i'll probably say you know this is no disrespect to my guy mike but them planks in the beginning of the workout uh-huh. we do side plank other side middle plank so before the workout i'm pretty much like sweating a little bit already. planks are tough man. man that's there's no two ways about it those man. are really really tough but they are a blessing yeah they Big make blessing. you because it's uh the whole body i suppose right. right what's the last meal that you cooked what <laughs> I'm sorry. The last meal that I cooked, maybe some spaghetti. I don't really cook like that though. No, I'm I'm starting to learn more, a little bit more about it. But yeah, man, I don't cook. I'm sorry. I need to work on it though. So you know your quarterback Davis Mills is a big cook. I'm assuming. 
I yeah. asked him like, how how do you uh, like your steak? Thinking, oh, he'll say medium or medium rare, right. and he went into this discourse for about two or three minutes about why I pre- prepare it sous vide. And I was like, what's sous vide? I yeah. didn't know what it was. It's like where know. they put it in a shrink wrap. And they boil it, and it takes an hour and a half to make it oh, perfect. Dave, that's Davis Mills. That's yes. my guy. Man. But he educated me, told me about all this other. I was like, wow, that's, that's pretty interesting. What's the greatest invention of all time? Technology. I'll probably say Microsoft or just Windows or anything like that, whatever. Google. I don't know. I think all that stuff is pretty cool. Technology is pretty cool. Well, listen, we really appreciate the time. That's all it is. Sure doesn't. We just ask you weird stuff like that. Sounds good. All right. Revin Jordan, ladies and gents. That's exactly what Drew's doesn't is. It's just a bunch of. Really weird questions that are really, really fun because it's Drew asking the questions, and these players are very, very honest and funny about it. So appreciate Brevin for stopping by. Hopefully there will be more of those, and hopefully we're going to see good old number nine on the field on Sunday. Coming up, we will go quickly around the league, give you some of the injury information, which at this point of the year is vital to your fantasy football teams, maybe in championships, in the playoffs, whatever the case might be. So we'll take a quick run around the league next right here on Texans All Access. It's All Access. It's All Access. It's All Access. Hey, I know we've got a lot of great fans out there today, but I got to give some props to today's biggest fan and that's Dykin. These guys are doing big things in Houston, from comfort and convenience to air quality. Dykin's innovations are changing how people enjoy the indoors as they lead the way to a more sustainable future, reducing our carbon emissions to net zero by 2050. As the world's number one air conditioning company, Dykin is committed to perfecting the air that connects us all. Learn more at perfectingtheair.com. It's Dykin, welcome back to this TGIF edition of Texans All Access. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, and I do not play fantasy. I know a lot of you out there do, and that's cool. And you guys are probably going to need that news. Who's in, who's out. We'll hit some of that and just hit some news around the NFL. I want to make sure I start with this one right here. It's absolutely horrible news. Waking up to this today was just, uh, it was a gut punch and a half. Former Bronco, Texan, Patriot, and Jet wide receiver, mainly known for his time with the Denver Broncos, Demarius Thomas was found deceased in his home in Roswell, Georgia. That's really hard to say, man. I I, I just, reading those words, DT was 33, and I'll never forget when we traded for him in 2018, he had kind of gotten to a point with Denver. He had been there since 2010, I think it was, 2009, 2010. And it was about halfway through the 2018 season, and he had been asking for a trade. Things were changing. He just wanted to move on and have an opportunity to play for a winner, and that was not happening for the Broncos. And it just so happened on a Thursday night against the Dolphins, Will Fuller tore his ACL. Brian Gain at the time, general manager, called John Elway. They worked a deal and brought Demarius here. Our first game just so happened to be back in Denver. And, I mean, you talk about emotional. Holy cow. And it was early in that game where Bill O'Brien had a couple of design plays to go to Demarius. I think he ended up with three catches in that game. But Demarius' family came from Georgia to see the game. And, I mean, you talk about emotional. I mean, we got on a bus after everything was done in the locker room, and I got on a bus, and I'm just kind of watching the scene outside the bus. And we have 
at that time we had five buses, I think. And so we're always the last bus. So we were bus five. So we're watching. And there's a throng of people, a throng of people around Demarius. And Peyton Manning was there. Peyton's kids are hugging Demarius. Uh, it was just, it was incredible to see. The following week, we played on a Monday night against the Titans. It was Demarius' first game at NRG Stadium with the Texans. I think the last time he had been there was 2013 with the Broncos when, the, when Peyton Manning set the record and Demarius had a day that day. Wes Walker, I'm sure, too. Either way, that was his first game for the Texans. He catches two touchdowns. And if you remember that game, the Texans had gone down 10-0 and then roared back. Lamar Miller had a 97-yard touchdown run. They had a fourth and goal stop right before that and ran away from that game. That was the, the, uh, the celebration of Bobby Nair's life that night. I mean, it's an emotional night. DT has those two catches. And so I say to our, our media guy, I said, look, I'd like to talk to DT. Can I, can I get him as my post-game interview? I said, yeah, let me see what I can do. So I'm sitting in the back, and they get DT to come over. I've never met him. I introduce myself when I say, Demarius, I'm John Harris, sideline reporter. And he's got a smile as big as a stadium. He could not have been nicer. He spent time with me just talking uh, after we were done. I had to stop on the, the phone, and we just kind of chatted for a couple of minutes. And it was unfortunate that a few weeks later, up in Philadelphia, he ended up, I think, tearing his Achilles, and he was not able to play the rest of the 2018 season. But I haven't seen anybody in any way, shape, or form have anything negative to say, and I would, I would hope uh, on a – on a day like this, that that would not come out. But even throughout the league, he was so highly respected, and you could see why. In the short amount of time that he was with us, I just absolutely loved the guy. Uh, and I hate to see someone at the age of 33, his whole life in front of him, and uh, taken from all of us way too soon. So thoughts and prayers to the Thomas family, uh, to all the teams throughout the league that he impacted. Um, I know my buddy James Palmer from NFL Network tweeted something that I retweeted just about what Demarius meant to James and what James meant to Demarius. And that was just, you know, when you meet those players and they say to you, look, man, you, you're the best. You always treated me fairly. Um, you're awesome. And it's like, wait a second. No way, man. You're the, you're the guy that was always there for me. Whenever I needed a quote or I needed to know something, you were the guy I went to. For me, that's always been DeAndre Hopkins. And it had always been DeAndre Hopkins. Um, and I know for James, it was Demarius Thomas. And unfortunately, DT passed away. Um, way, way too soon. Uh, let's get to let's get to some of the information that you're going to need to know. The Steelers ended up losing last night, 36-28. I think Chase Claypool is still celebrating a first down. T.J. Watt was unfortunately knocked out of that game with a groin injury. Now they got the bye week, and or I'm sorry, the the mini bye, and then they'll play again in week 15. So he's got a little bit of time to get back. T.J.'s got 16 sacks. Uh, on the year, but unfortunately, the Steelers for the Steelers they took an L last night. Buffalo Bills are taking on the Buccaneers down at Tampa this week. Starla Tule will not play. That's a big loss, figuratively and literally, for the Bills. I mean, an awful, awful loss. The Bears. I know a lot of you probably have Allen Robinson and David Montgomery on your fantasy teams. No designation, which means they are in. Justin Fields will also start that game. Andy Dalton's going to be doubtful with that hand, but they were going with Justin Fields anyways. So, mark it accordingly, Justin Fields getting the start. 
this week for the Chicago Bears against the Green Bay Packers. Joe Burrow looks like he's ready to go, even though he is dealing with a finger, but he's ready. Tony Pollard, questionable. I know a lot of people have been picking up Tony Pollard on fantasy teams because of what he's been doing lately. He's questionable to play against Washington. No gut feel either way, but just keep that in mind if you've got him on your teams. Jacksonville's taking on the Titans, and I think he's one of the better centers in the league. Brandon Linder is a back issue. He will not play against the Titans, so that's not really a fantasy thing, but it is something you definitely have to keep your eyes on uh, with the, well, if you dabble in the Diet Coke business, um, that might be something you want to think about. Titans coming off a bye, Jags starting centers out. Eh, might be enough to flip you one way or the other, but who knows. The L.A. Chargers are taking on the Giants. Keenan Allen will not play. Keenan Allen with COVID will not play. So if Keenan Allen's on your fantasy team, put him on your bench. Make sure you get that done. Mike Williams, fellow receiver, and star cornerback Chris Harris, both COVID would be available if they continue to test negative. So especially if you have Mike Williams or you got the Chargers D, you can want to keep an eye on what's going on with the Chargers. I would think the Chargers are going to beat the Giants, but we'll do our predictions later in the show. The Giants, uh, Mike Glennon, is listed as questionable in that one. Yikes. Daniel Jones is already out, and Mike Glennon's questionable. Oh, it's time to pray for your G-Man. If you got running back Elijah Mitchell, the rookie from the 49ers, who's had a whale of a season, he is out for the 49ers. Out. Now, I mentioned earlier, Quandre Diggs is listed as questionable for the Seahawks, but Pete Carroll said he's going to be ready to play. He will play Sunday versus the Texans. It's coming home party for Quandre Diggs. As a mad, I would imagine he's going to have some family there, being from Angleton and all. He will play, even though he's listed as questionable, but he's going to be ready to go. The Titans are going out to take on the Jags. Now, I mentioned Brandon Linder is going to be out for the Jags. The Titans have ruled out five players. Zach Cunningham will not play. He's not going to be active in that one. But Jack Rabbit Jenkins doing the ankle, he is also out. So I don't know how you play that uh, into your fantasy team or if you're down on a Diet Coke business, but uh, I got a feeling about the Titans. It's not a great one, but then again, uh, what are you going to do? The big news of the day, I guess locally, is the fact that Davis Mills will be the starting quarterback for your Houston Texans. What are the keys for him and the Texans to go get a win against the Seattle Seahawks? We'll do that next right here on Texans All Access. All right, all right, all right. Let's go. It's a TGIF edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. It's time for my keys to the game brought to you by me. Like in Talladega Nights, the Ballad of Ricky Bobby. And his car sponsor has a big bobcat and then me. Yeah, so uh, it's me. So let's go. What do the Texans have to do to go get a dub against the Seattle Seahawks? A team coming off a 30-23 to win over the San Francisco 49ers. Let's get my music going, get me hyped, and let's go. Now, the Seattle Seahawks offense has been not so good. 
statistics tell you that. Just a general vibe tells you that. They went and got Shane Waldron from the L.A. Rams, so they've been running the Shanahan squared McVay-type offense in Seattle. It hasn't quite fit. They're averaging just under 100 yards per game on the ground at 97 yards per game. They had last week, uh, I think the number was, oh gosh, I want to say it was over 100. But 73 of that came on Travis Homer's 73-yard fake punt return for a touchdown. So uh, fake punt run, I should say, not return. So they didn't do a lot last week. Now, they did have Adrian Peterson last week. But he got banged up in that game. There's no telling if he's going to play. It'd be kind of odd to see Adrian Peterson because we just saw him with the Titans in Nashville four weeks ago. Now he's with the Seattle Seahawks. We'll get to that in a second. Passing game, just over 200 yards per game. 201.3 yards per game. That's 27th. They Total offense, 298.3 yards per game. That's 31st. I don't really want to tell you who's 32nd because I think you already know. But 298 yards for Russell Wilson, this crew is uh, when you when you look at the talent and what's there, sort of inexcusable to not be more explosive. Now, this offense did score 23 last week against the San Francisco 49ers. So let's get to the keys. Now, number one and number two kind of go together here. Number one is Adrian Peterson. Don't know the health status of Adrian Peterson for this game. Like I said, if we do see him, it would be the second time we see him in four weeks. I think the Texans are wired to be able to stop him because Adrian Peterson, at this point in his career, he needs runway. And if you give him just a complete clear path, he can take that. He still has got that juice. But he doesn't have the juice to, it's not there, let me cut it back here. No, he doesn't have that anymore. But they also have Rashad Penny, and Homer won't play. So it's really Rashad Penny, DJ Dallas, and the Texans have got to do. I mean, I can't say this. They have got to, A, be gap discipline. B, they've got to, be, they've got to violently get off blocks. And C, they've got to run everybody to the football. If they do those things consistently, I think there's a pretty good chance that they can shut down this running attack. I said this on Here's the Thing this week, and you see that on Instagram and some other places. You've got to eliminate completely the run game. Just completely take it away. And if you do that... You put the game on Russell Wilson's shoulders, which in the past, it's kind of an iffy proposition to do that. You almost want the Seahawks to run, and you don't want Russell to have to kill you. But this year, something is just off with everything with Russell in the passing game. So if you eliminate the run game, there's none of that. And it's just Russell Wilson dropping back to throw the football, time in, time out. I think you're going to have an opportunity to do some things, even though they've got two of the best wide receivers, and we're going to get to them in just a second. So if you eliminate the run game, yes, there still is Russell Wilson. He has victimized the Texans up one side down the other. But this is different. This just feels different. Watching him, he doesn't look comfortable. He's not – they're not letting Russ cook. Let's put it that way. So if you eliminate the run game, Russell's always going to be a weapon. But you eliminate the run game, make it one-dimensional, then there are some things you can scheme up to do but you're going to have to do it against two of the best wide receivers in the league. Now, you can argue if you want. No, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett are not the best duo in the NFC West, much less the league, but I would take them as the best duo in the NFC West. I would take them as one of the top five duos in the league. And when they're clicking, boy, they're hard to stop. Last time DK Metcalf was at Energy Stadium, he took the first catch 
First pass he saw, hauled it in, and ran away from everybody 75 yards against Ole Miss. Now, this is a Texas secondary, not Ole Miss. And it's an NFL game, not a college game. But I've seen that joker up close and personal, and he is scary good. Then there's Tyler Lockett. The last time we saw him was 2017. In that game, he caught six for 121. And we could not, could not stop him. Those two together are extremely difficult to stop, but they're easier to stop if you slow down the run game. You play a little bit more nickel with Tav there at the Tavier Thomas at the nickel spot. You could do some different things with DK uh, and with Tyler Lockett. That's the offense. Now, defensively, this group is pretty decent against the run. Not like they've been in the past, but decent. 120.4 yards per game. That's 11th in the NFL. But they're getting torched through the air. 275.8 yards per game. They only have 19 sacks. That's worst in the league. So getting the ball off and down the field is absolutely key for Davis Mills. There will be no Jamal Adams. Now, Jamal plays a lot near the box, but where that impacts you throwing the ball deep is he'll blitz, he'll rush. He does a lot of things like a linebacker, and they ask him to do a lot of things like a linebacker, but he's not there. That might give you that extra half second to get someone down the field. Hopefully, Brandon Cooks is going to be able to play. He's that guy. Nico can go up over guys and take it off somebody's head. This team is banged up at corner. The Seahawks are. They're banged up now at safety. Throw it deep. Let Davis haul off and throw it deep. Once, twice, or I don't care. Throw it deep. Because you don't throw it deep and you keep banging your head against the run, you're going to run to Bobby Wagner. He's still one of the best in the league, if not top three in the league. He doesn't run quite like he used to. I was watching him today for 2021, the game against the Niners, and I watched him against 2012. He doesn't run like he used to, but, man, he is smart. He can go find the football. He is still, to me, the best there is in the league. And combined with Jordan Brooks, that's a great combination. So if you're not running it, then don't bang your head up against it. Take some shots and see what you can do against that, that uh, secondary. But one guy you got to watch is Daryl Taylor, number 52. This is one of my favorite draft prospects alongside John Grenard at 2020 draft. They both came out of the SEC. I love both of them. Had a chance to meet and talk with both of them at the Senior Bowl. I love both. I wanted both to be Texans. But it turned out we got John Grenard. But Daryl Taylor's tough. He's tough to stop. And if the Texans are having to throw it, you better find a way to protect against number 52. All right, we get back. How about a little Traymond Smith with a little deep slant with DP City? That's next on Texans All Access. We've got one hour in the books on this Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. On a wonderful Friday evening, I'm John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, and so glad to be with you. I'm also a former teacher, and I'm calling all of my former teachers out there. Do you want to bring a little Texas football to your classroom? Well, yeah, I know that you do. Well, then you need to sign up for Toro's Math Drills, presented by ConocoPhillips. Toro's Math Drills is a video series designed to help third and fourth graders learn how to tackle math in the classroom. Go to go to HoustonTexans.com slash Toro's Math Drills to learn more. A big thanks to our friends at ConocoPhillips for providing Toro's Math Drills for all of my special teachers out there. Now, 2016, I think it was. I think it was 2016. Maybe 2017, 16, 17. Young man at Central Arkansas, war number one, by the name of Tremont Smith. I was calling a game against HBU, and he was playing with a cast on his hand. And I was blown away. 
by the speed, the athleticism. I I loved him. And I really wanted the Texans to draft him back in, I think it was 20, 2016. And I was like, man, I think this guy, given some time, is going to be able to play. He's got the speed. You know he's going to be a good return guy, and hopefully he can develop into a good defensive back. Tremont Smith is a guy that has developed here in the one year he's been here. It was announced last week that he signed a one-year extension. And I think that's valid. He's going to come in here and do things on special teams, continue to work at his craft, that defensive back. Tremont Smith is going to be here for the 2022 season. I think that's a great thing. It's a great thing that he sat down with D.P. Sidhu for our Deep Slant interview of the week. Here's Tremont Smith. I've known him for a long time. Now you get to know him, too. Here you go. It's the Deep Slant 101 presented by Xfinity. My guest this week, Tremont Smith, kickoff returner, defensive back. He's in year four. All right, season four is not even over yet, and you've already got a contract extension. I imagine that's got to feel pretty nice for you, Tremont. Right. That's, it's really exciting just to know my hard work and dedication to the game is actually being viewed as a and I'm getting viewed as a hard worker, so I love it. Are you, are you surprised that the deal got done in season? You're the first person with Nick Casario to have a deal done before the season's over. Is that kind of what you expected for yourself when you signed here this offseason? Um, that's what I was hoping for. That's always what I'm hoping for, honestly. But just to be the first guy and be one of the first ones uh, talking negotiation with the contract is, is very exciting. and I'm, I'm excited to be here. All right, special teams coordinator Frank Ross, he said that since you got here, you've shown a lot of improvement. How do you think you've improved since you got here? Oh, just with the little things, detailing, going out early to catch kicks. Just It's just all the little things I focused on this year and tried to hone in on. Were you going out early on your own before practice? Or? Yes, and I did a lot, of, a lot more at training camp too. So, I mean, that's just the things you got to do towards training camp to work to get better and just so – when it's not back there in the game, it's like second nature to me. It's just real easy. All right, so a few weeks ago at Tennessee, we saw you recover that muffed punt. Uh, that was a heads-up play because, first of all, it was like pouring down rain. Right. It happened all so quickly with the ball bounced off the guy's leg, and you were right there. You know, what was going through your mind on a play like that when things are opening up so so quickly in that sort of weather? Right, so it was a plus 50. So my, my job was to go front up the returner while A.J. ran the back line. And A.J. did a good job of running that back line. Noticed the the punt returner noticed how close AJ was and tried to make him stop making the play and that's when it hit his foot and I'm just going to front with the returner and I see the ball like I'm seeing it happen in slow motion really and just go to jump on it in the rain and slide a little bit and get dirty that was fun yeah it was real fun in the rain it was fun to watch it and was. and you also had a, a fumble recovery back as a rookie in 2018 right well, yes. and I believe that was against Seattle. How do you work on fumble recoveries? Is that something that you just have to be hyper aware of all the time on special teams? Yeah, you just always got to be running to the ball, too, being aware of your surroundings, you know, whether to pick it up or dive on it. You just got to be aware of those little things and just be close to the ball, always pursuit to the ball. So you started off your rookie campaign with Kansas City. Last year you were at the Colts, but that 2019 season you were with three different teams, three right? Different teams. Uh, so it was um, Kansas City. Green Bay, and then Philly. Ended in Philly, yes. All right, so so what was that season like for you? That was just two years ago, but to right. bounce around with three different teams over the course of a season, you know, what was that like for you physically, crazy. mentally? It was crazy, you know, coming in, getting drafted, late-round draft pick, I understand that, but, I mean, I signed a four-year contract, so I'm just thinking, all right, I'm going to be here four years for sure, and then going into that next season, I mean, you can kind of tell when things aren't going your way or how, if you fall in a depth chart, even though you're not supposed to be looking into that, but – I could start picking up on it, and then once I did get cut, they did – well, initially I made the team after training camp, 
that got moved to running back. I played a little offense actually. They moved me. Oh, you did. Bit. Yes, and then I ended up making the team for defensive back again. And um, I don't know. After they released me, I, my coaches came and talked to me. and was like, "Listen, you're a great player. You, I know you're going to get claimed. Like we would love to sign you back to practice squad or whatever, and just work you as a fundamental player." But I mean. I got claimed by Green Bay, and of mm. course, like, it's no yes or no to that. And I enjoyed my time in Green Bay. I actually got to be around some good guys and Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, some generational talent players, so that was good. And then after Green Bay, well, I was there like 10 games, went to Philly, got cut again, didn't get claimed this time, didn't get claimed off waivers. So I just weighed my options then, and I felt like, I don't know, since I was already moving, I was like, why not? Let's go try some a new city, new beginning, and – didn't stay there long, though, so it didn't work out. So. <laughs> <laughs> and then you were at the Colts last year, but at, at, was there any point in your career, maybe that 2019 or 2020 season, where you started to lose hope and think, man, this is really rough, especially think going into the NFL thinking you're going to be with the team for four years and then you had to bounce around so much. Did you ever get to a point where you sort of lost a little bit of faith or thought, I don't know uh, how this is going to go? Yeah, I, I feel like it was messing with my confidence a little bit for sure, just bouncing around, not basically being told you're not good enough for this team or you're not the right fit for this team. So, But I just stayed training and stayed to my fundamentals, doing the little things right. When I was practice squad, I just do, do extra reps and just do all the little things right and show these coaches they can trust me. And, of course, my talent is there, but just mainly building that trust. I imagine that when you play for so many different teams, you learn a lot about just the business of football and how things are done in different <clears throat> In different facilities, right. what do you what do you think you took away from from going to so many different teams in such a short amount of time? Or did you learn something about yourself through all that? Uh, I learned a lot from the players too. Of course, mm-hmm. I've been playing with some good players. Like dra- drafted was with Eric Berry, second year in Kansas City, Tyron Come. I'm with him through training camp in like the first three weeks. So I mean, just learning from those type of players, those elite players, I feel like that helped me a lot. And just hearing them tell me to remain focused and just stay the course that that was really big to me. All right, in college at Central Arkansas, you handled punt returns too. So I always have this question for returners. Why do you think that you're more of a kickoff returner in the NFL? Why not return punts too? Why do you think that your role is more on kickoffs and maybe not both or maybe one versus the other? That's big props to Desmond King too. He's a great punt returner. He's electric with the ball. So, I mean, having that one-two punch with us with two different type of returners, I'm more of a, like, one-cut guy. He's more of a – zigzag make a make a lot of guys miss so i feel like that that equals up to punt return better oh yeah my running style kick return better off fits me in that for this team in general so yeah the down the downhill aggressive speed yes and and frank ross said that that you've got a lot of speed that you bring to the game did you ever run track or how did i didn't i never you didn't no i used to blame my asthma but i grew out you have asthma i did you did grew out of it you grew out of it so like what did you use your speed for did did it help you in other sports oh so coming out really out of when I was getting recruited to college all the college coaches like the bigger schools thought I was slow because I mean Hmm. high school I played quarterbacks but I never like sprinted through the end zone I was you played quarterback in high school I was like a little 3a school okay high school and I mean, I didn't. Ha- oh, I never had to run full speed, so I never got to see it. So I realized I was fast probably my first, second year in college when the level up, and I really had to run. Sure, and that's when you realized that you were. Yeah, I'm fast. I knew I was fast. always fast because couldn't nobody get, run away from me in the corner. So <laughs> You're like, like I'm, I'm all by myself yeah. while I'm running down the field. Bring the fastest guy. I'm gonna line up with him. <laughs> all right, you trained with Justin Reed this off season. How did the two of you meet? Oh, uh, so we share the same trainer, Ryan Clark. So how how did me and Jay Reed end up? Because you had signed here, but you had not really shown up for any activities yet. The offseason right. hadn't started. And, yeah, me and Jay Reed, we, like, right after the season over, we'll go to Ryan Clark and his facilities up there and just 
we talk ball with him a lot, learn a lot from him. You know, he played 12 years, won a Super Bowl. And just it's just a great – Ron Clark just a great guy to be around. And then, of course, just me and Justin Reed training in the same facility. We ended up just clicking. And, and then you end up in the same team together the same as well, in like, the same backfield. Yeah, Lonnie was there too, actually. Oh, okay. So you, th- usually, so you sort of knew your backfield. Yeah, I knew it too. Before you, before was, you actually had to yeah, start that was playing. Yeah, big for me, coming in knowing some guys. All right, our social media people tell me that you follow USA Pickleball on yes. Instagram. Yes. Are you a former player, just a fan? So my agent loves pickleball. We do this trip in Naples every year after just after the season, and it's pickleball. He's heavy in pickleball. So your I mean, agent? I, yeah, my agent. Okay, yes, James you, Prentice. And, and you? Yeah, and I play with him, of course. And okay. he'll, he'll file his clients or whatever. And, I mean, it's just like <laughs> life-size ping-pong to me. I love it. <laughs> but those, like, it's older people that play. It's an older sport, so. Those old old guys are pretty good though. I yeah, guess. they have they have competitive championships. Those no, real competitive out there. Definitely in Naples, it's like the home of the pickleball. Or really, home of the pickleball tournament. It's crazy though. All right, so you just bought a home recently too, I did. and and you bought it in Houston, in Houston. before the contract before extension. The contract. So you weren't afraid, like I'm gonna buy this house and then I'm kind of stuck with Houston, no matter if Houston wants to be stuck um, with me. I thought about it, but then I also thought as a investment, you know, if I wasn't. Wasn't to sign back with Houston next year, maybe rent it out, Airbnb it out. Oh, maybe okay. to some of the players in house. Who knows? So I thought maybe you just flew to Houston. You're like, I love this love. place. <laughs> I gotta have a house here. I do love it out here though. It's, city has everything you need. Yeah. Amazing food and it's just huge. Definitely coming from Alabama. Yeah, I was gonna say it's kind of a, a I mean, you're still in the south with Alabama, but yeah. I imagine it's totally different. Totally different. Night and day. Not in day. Yeah. But you you like Houston. Yeah, I love Houston. Besides the traffic. Though. Besides the traffic and maybe the summers. The summers, yeah. I'll take the hot any day, though. Yeah. yeah. Over the cold. Over the, yeah, yeah, because you've played in cold weather games. Green Bay, yeah. So on your Instagram, you we found out that you have a dog. Mm-hmm. A fr- French, is it a French bulldog? French bulldog. Louis. Louis. Uh, so Louis, Louis has his own Instagram account. He does. Do you run Louis' Instagram I account? Do, I do. I do. I do. Okay, why did Louis need an Instagram account? Oh, I feel like he needs to be showed off to the world. He's a great <laughs> dog. He's bad. He's real hyper, but he's a great dog he's, in general. He's spoiled and a little bit? Spoiled a little bit. He's probably okay. at home just roam, roaming around right now, so... But he don't potty in the house, or he that's just, important. That's important. That's key. That is the big thing. He just with sheds dogs. a little too much for my liking right now. Okay, but you you got him well clothed though. Oh yeah, he has some clothes. He's in a lot of Louis Vuitton. Is that what inspired you to name yeah, him Louis? Yeah, so his name is really Louis T instead of Louis V. Louis Vuitton. Uh huh. Why Louis T? Uh, my name start with a T. Oh okay. Yeah. Oh. And it's spelled different. L O U I E E. Okay. <laughs> That's, that's right. important. I thought maybe <laughs> I thought maybe the real Louis was taken on Instagram, so you just spelled different. No, right, so he's got a couple of it, e, he's got a couple of E's couple in his name. E's. So he wears a lot of uh, Louis Vuitton, yeah. and uh, you you are also pretty fashionable yourself. Yes, I like fashion. A lot. How how would you describe your style? Because you grew up in Alabama, but I feel like there's like this West Coast vibe yeah. coming from you. Uh, I don't know. Just just buying clothes. I I have a bad problem with just going online and just buying clothes. See something I like. And eventually just put it together. I might not wear it to the next year, but, like, I got some shoes and clothes <laughs> that I haven't worn from last year or two years Really? Ago. But once I find the right time to wear it. It's got to be the right moment. Perfect. Yeah, it fits Okay. Perfect. And then do you rewear it or do you just, like, put it to the back and then you I put it to the back, you know, just I, I try not to re- rewear it. Yeah. Especially, like, to a game. Like, I'm not wearing none of those. Of course, because those pictures are everywhere. Those pictures, yeah. So yeah. it's like, I feel like I can't wear it then. Does, does Louis T repeat outfits? Yeah, he does. <laughs> he has a bubble coat. He repeats. A bubble coat? <laughs> a bubble coat, yeah. We, in Houston? We was in Indy, yeah. It was when we was in Indy, though, so. Oh. It was cold. We just brought it along with us. Yeah, he wears a little coat, but now now he's just, it's summertime, Perfect, yeah. so. Me and him going to take family pictures, too. They offering family oh pictures. Oh, my gosh. Are you going to post those on, yes, on his gram? Your gram as well? Mine, too. 
All right. We cannot wait to see it. Well, Trimon, congrats on the contract extension. Can't wait to see what the rest of the year holds for you. And welcome to Houston. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you for for allowing me to be here. So on the first day of OTAs, I was walking down a hallway, and I had – I had heard that Bradley Roby was not going to be there for OTAs, or at least that was kind of the rumor that I had heard, but I wasn't totally sure. I'm walking down a hallway and I see this guy. I'm like, wait, that's I'm like, that's Roby. And then I'm like, wait, why is Roby wearing 24? And I'm thinking, oh, well, maybe Mark Ingram wanted 21 because that was what Mark Ingram wore at Baltimore. Maybe Roby went to a different number. Oh no. Tremont looks a lot like Bradley Roby size wise, everything. Just looked a lot like Bradley Roby. And, of course, then Roby came to training camp, then was subsequently traded to the New Orleans Saints. But now I don't have to worry about that. But once I saw them next to one another, I was like, oh, okay. But, man, when I saw him, I thought, holy smokes, Roby's got a new number. And he looks a little thinner. But, yeah, then it ended up being Tremont Smith. So glad Tremont is here and is going to be here for the 2022 season. Coming up, I've got to make all my picks. I do it every single week, straight up against the spread, every NFL game. I broke down earlier some of the names that are going to be key in games this weekend that aren't going to play or some that are going to play. So factor all that in, discuss it next on our predictions right here on Texans All Access. Oh, baby, here we go. TGIF. Thank God it's Friday. Add another F. Thank God it's Football Friday. And thank God it is time for my predictions. This is my favorite segment to do all week long. Why? First of all, I get to talk about the league. Secondly, I get to make picks. I compete with myself. Thirdly, I'm pretty much wrong none of the time. So I'm nearly perfect. And if you believe that, I've got riverfront property to sell you in Arizona. Is there a river in Arizona? Probably so. I don't know. I got to ask my buddy Tommy. Tommy and Suds would know. They were both from Arizona. One went there at University of Arizona. One went to Arizona State. So um, they're awesome, especially when it's the Territorial Cup this year. Arizona State won it again. So uh, my buddy Tommy, not too happy with that. Okay, I'm getting off track here. And by the way, I'm John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter for your Houston Texans. And it's time. There used to be, I think it was John Ward, used to be the play-by-play voice for the Tennessee Volunteers. He would just say, it's time for football in Tennessee. He was a great, great, great voice. Uh, my buddy Mike Keith with the Titans would uh, agree with that. He worked with John Ward. So, here we go. I got to make these picks. I'm trying to decide whether I would have gotten last night's game right or not. I would have been right at it. I don't know what the spread was on that one with the Vikings getting a win. 36-28. Um, Chase Claypool still signaling first down. Uh, in that game as the Vikings get a win by eight, saving, eh, maybe, Mike Zimmer's job. I don't know if it's in jeopardy or not, but they got the six and seven. They're staying in the NFC playoff hunt. The Steelers fall to six, six, and one, although there's some symmetry to that. It's not good, especially when you have some of the things going on with Pittsburgh. Ben Roethlisberger saying, hey, it ain't my job to talk to Chase Claypool. That's all on a coach, which technically is true but come on Ben be a leader be a leader and talk to your boy get that get that stuff right get that stuff right all right I got picks to make but I need my music there it is and it's time now let's stay in the AFC North for our first one at noon the Ravens took an L last week at Pittsburgh 
Taking on the Browns at 6-6. Six and six. The Ravens 8-4, knocking on the door of having the best record in the NFL. The Patriots right now have that. My goodness. The Patriots have the best record, and the Patriots are off this week after a Monday night win over Buffalo. Patriots sit at 9-4. The Ravens can get to 9-4. But how about this? In Cleveland, the Browns are favored by three. So Vegas looks at these two teams as being even. I'm not sure I'm buying I think the Ravens have the better quarterback, and that's how I'm going to decide this one. Ravens are going to win this. Yes, it'll be close. But if the Ravens win, obviously, they're going to cover that three. So let's take the Ravens full up, money line, straight up, dub against the Browns. The Browns will fall to six and seven, and that won't be good for anybody on that sideline. Two people in particular, head coach Kevin Stefanski and quarterback Baker Mayfield. But Lamar Jackson works some magic again. Let's go. 31-24. Ravens win on the road. Titans and Jags. AFC South combatants. In fact, they're the only two other AFC South teams playing the Colts on a bye. This week, so are the Patriots. I think the Colts and Patriots play at some point. If I remember correctly, yeah, they got to play at some point. Maybe it's next week. We'll see. Either way, this is Jags and Titans. No Zach Cunningham playing for the Titans. No Jackrabbit Jenkins playing for the Titans. And the Titans are favored by eight and a half. The Jags will be without starting center Brandon Linder, which obviously with a rookie quarterback is not a great situation. I just don't know what to think about the Titans. I really don't. There's no Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry loves to play against the Jags. He's not there. Although, Dontra Hilliard and Deontay Foreman both went over 100 yards in the Titans' last ballgame. I think that's going to be enough. Does it get over the eight and a half? That's the question. That's what I'm struggling with. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to go 27-17. Titans get the win and cover that eight and a half. All right, one of the great rivalries in sports. The Las Vegas Raiders are going to take on the Kansas City Chiefs. And the Chiefs defense, the star for this team, held the Broncos, I believe, to nine points last week. Daniel Sorensen had a pick six. They were all over Teddy Bridgewater. I think that could happen against the Raiders as well. Kansas City is favored by 10. They housed the Raiders on Sunday Night night Football a few weeks back. I don't know if they do the same, and I'm not sure I love the 10, but I just don't see the Raiders turning this thing around. I think with all that's happened to the Raiders this year, I just think it's too much each week, especially taking on a Chiefs team with a pretty solid defense now. I think the offense will get it right for the Chiefs. They'll put up enough points. I do believe they'll cover the 10. So let's go 34-20. Chiefs beat the Raiders at Arrowhead. All right, another noon game is Saints and the Jets. Saints and the Jets. The, The Saints and the... Boy, I don't know. This is tough. New Orleans is favored by five and a half on the road. And I don't know that I trust the Saints for anything. The Jets, obviously, we saw them a couple weeks ago and played, I thought, a solid ball game. We could have put them to bed early. We didn't. We allowed them to stick around, and that's when it gets competitive for them. You know what? I'm going to take the Jets in a surprise here. It's up in the Meadowlands, in MetLife. I'm going to take the Jets in an upset to beat the Saints. Saints are favored by five and a half. I think, worst case, the Jets get a cover but I'm going to just pull the straight-up win. Zach Wilson, go get it done, young man.
Go get a W for the Jets against the Saints. I have no gut feel on that one. There, like nothing, nothing is screaming at me. Another eight and four team taking on a six and six team. We saw that uh, with the Chiefs and the Raiders. The Chiefs going one direction, the Raiders in the other. This one is more the Cowboys kind of yeah stuck in neutral, but doing enough to win games. Washington is the team that's really started to turn the corner. Taylor Heineke got the win last week out in Las Vegas, 17-15. And now the Cowboys coming home. Tony Pollard for the Cowboys, who has been a big threat, is questionable. If Pollard is out, I'm not sure the Cowboys can put enough on the board to cover four and a half. This feels 24-20, 21-17. I think it stays close the Cowboys win it, but I think Washington's going to get inside that four and a half. That hook I like this week with the Washington football team. Another noon game on the East Coast, which makes it one o'clock. The Panthers taking on the Falcons, two five and seven teams. One team I don't think ever thought about being five and seven this year. One team at five and seven is probably overachieved a little bit. But it just shows you have competent quarterback play and Matt Ryan, like the Falcons do, you've got an opportunity. Carolina's favored by two and a half. So Vegas is telling you on a neutral field, the Falcons are better than the Panthers. And the Panthers are kind of a mess. But the Panthers are coming off a bye week. They fired their offensive coordinator. They're now going with the offensive coordinator that Matt Rule had at Baylor, who it sounds like Rule trusts a little bit more than Joe Brady. I don't know if that works wonders for the Panthers, but the Panthers come off the bye week, I think, is the difference. They could sit down and get that thing ready. They've had some rest. I think that gets the Panthers ready for a stretch run. So we're going Panthers here, and they're going to cover that two and a half. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I do think both teams will put some points on the board. I don't know. The Panthers' defense is not as great as it was when we saw it in week three. And Matt Ryan can put some points on the board, but I think the Panthers will outscore the Falcons this week and cover that two and a half. All right, Lions v. Broncos in our first afternoon game. Denver is favored by 10. And I got a feeling that there will be some emotion in that building as they show respect and pay respect to Demarius Thomas, who passed away early this morning. Denver's favored by 10. The Lions got a win last week. And I always worry about a team that has struggled to get a win, to get a win, and then they have to go on the road. I think that sometimes like, hey, we got the win, we feel good, and then you got to go travel. And it's like, yo. I don't know if that happens here because I think the Lions have played well enough throughout the year. I mean, they've played 12 games this year, and they've, they've been in almost every game. And they, that tie should have been a win for them. They should have two other wins. That team should have four or five wins. But it doesn't. They just didn't know how to finish, didn't know how to close. Last week against the Vikings, the Lions did. I don't think they can close enough here. I think the Broncos will play with some emotion. They'll kind of bare their chest, if you will, and play tough against the Lions. I think Denver wins this game, but I'm not going to lay the points here. I'm going to take the points for the Lions but the Broncos get the outright win. The Giants are going to the Chargers. The Giants are a flipping mess. Daniel Jones out. Mike Glennon questionable. Those are your quarterback situations with the Giants. The Chargers, 
they've got a tough one at receiver because Keenan Allen's out. Mike Williams is questionable uh, due to COVID. I don't think it matters. I think the Chargers are just going to whoop up on the Giants. Game's in L.A. It's in SoFi. Chargers favored by 10. I don't think the Giants are going to score. It might be a shutout. I think they might they might shut them out. But I'm going with 31-7. Chargers win. That obviously gets you over the 10. Chargers move to 8-5. and five. This is one of the sneakiest, hottest games. Sneaky hottest, sneakiest hot. Sneakiest hot. There we go. Games of the weekend right here. The 49ers are coming off a loss last week, but sitting at 6-6. Six and six. The Bengals are coming off a loss last week to the Chargers. Sitting at 7-5. Two teams that have got mega loads of talent. It's a matter of whether they can all stay healthy and be healthy all at the same time. On the road, San Francisco's favored by a point and a half. I don't know that I like that. I think the Bengals will bounce back. Now, Joe Burrow's been dealing with a little bit of a finger, but he worked out all week. He's going to play. And I'm going to go with Joe Burrow and the Bengals. I think the Bengals will bounce back. I don't know that last week was truly representative of what they can do. They were down 24-0 early in that game. And bounce back to kind of get to a respectable spot. However... I don't think the 49ers are in the same class as the Chargers, especially scoring a ball. And there's no Elijah Mitchell. They're still going to run the ball. I think the Bengals, though, at home, I'm going to go with them to win this game. At one and a half, you get three when you're at home. So Vegas thinks San Francisco is probably three to four points better on neutral field. But I'm going to roll the dice with Joey B and Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon being better than what Jimmy Garoppolo can do. And it's the second road trip in a row for the 49ers. I'm going Bengals with an upset over the 49ers. Afternoon game down in Tampa. Ooh, boy. The Buccaneers at 9-3 and and starting to round into shape. Taking on the Buffalo Bills, who will enjoy the weather in Tampa Bay after the Monday night loss to the New England Patriots. That was an ugly performance all around for the Bills. There was a lot of finger pointing after the game. There were a couple of safeties that got challenged by a, well, let's be honest, kind of an idiot reporter. This one's tough. Tampa Bay's favored by three and a half. There's no star of the two life for the Bills. And that bothers me because I think the Bucs can run the ball at that offensive line with Leonard Fournette. I think the Bucs win this. I don't know that I feel great about saying that, but I'm not sure that I would feel good about saying the Bills are going to go upset them. I think the Bills and the Bucks play one of the games of the year on Sunday. I think this is going to be a fantastic game. I'm going 35-31 Bucks, and that's more than three and a half. So give the Bucks a win and a cover against Josh Allen and the Bills on the road. The Bears are taking on the Packers on Sunday night. I haven't checked the weather in Green Bay, but I got a feeling with some of the texts that I got from my mother, the weather is not going to be great in Green Bay on uh, Sunday. In fact, as I check it right now, it may not be sun- it may be sunny and no snow, but there probably will be snow on the ground because it is snowing uh, as we speak. That said, Justin Fields for the Bears, no. 
Not going to happen this week. He does get David Montgomery back, and apparently Allen Robinson apparently back, but I'm going with the Packers. It's a 12.5-point spread. I don't know if I love that. That's a big number to try and cover. But I'm going to do it. Aaron Rodgers. Oh, and by the way, if you guys haven't seen the NFL Films Presents segment that Aaron Rodgers co-produced with NFL Films on James Campen, Texas offensive line coach, holy cow. Go watch it. It's phenomenal. It is so it, it it's it's every emotion you can think of. It's funny, it's informative, it's emotional. I mean everything about it. It's so 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 good. Go check it out. DP City's got a story for you at HoustonTexas.com. Aaron Rodgers talking about James Campen is just outstanding. Packers win, Packers cover. How about that? And then Monday night, this might be the best Monday night game of the year. Rams at Cardinals. Cardinals favored by two and a half. The Rams got a dub last week. They got off the schneid, got a win over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Beating the Cardinals at home, that's a different story. However, the Cardinals at home versus the Cardinals on the road two different stories some reason they don't play as well at home in fact the two losses that they have have come at home as opposed to on the road Arizona's favored by two and a half but I think Arizona gets upset how about that Arizona gets upset the Rams get it done on the road McVay beats Kingsbury I'm I'm calling the upset Rams on the road circle the wagons OBJ with the game-winning touchdown catch Rams beat Cardinals and cover that two and a half. All right, when we get back, we got some Houston Methodist minutes and it's Drew Doherty's final word with Revan Jordan. That's next on Texans All Access. Texans All Access. Texans All Access. We got one final segment of this Friday edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host, Sean Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. And we had a big show. We had Dave Cully on the show. We had Brevin Jordan. We're going to have Brevin Jordan again in this final segment. Now, earlier in the show, Brevin did a Drew's Dozen, which is nothing about football. In this segment, he will do Drew Doherty's final word, which is all about football. So we kind of get a little bit of both. We get both the apple and the cherry pie. We get the mashed potatoes and the stuffing. We don't have to pick one. We get both, and so it's kind of nice. But we also, on a Friday night, Get a chance to hear from the great doctors at Houston Methodist. And tonight, the topic with Mark Vandermeer is concussions. Mark, take it away. It's Houston Methodist Minutes, and joining us today is Dr. Kenneth Padell, neuropsychologist and director of the Houston Methodist Concussion Center. Doctor, how's it going today? Great, sir. How are you? Uh, doing well. So let's talk about concussions, and especially in kids, teens. There's some new data out there, new studies. What can you share with us about this, doctor? Yeah, there's been um, some surveys that have been going on, and, and what they're basically showing is that kids are getting concussions and, and parents are becoming more aware of it. When they talk to parents of kids anywhere from zero up to 17, what they're showing is um, teenagers, for example, about 12% of teenagers will have had a concussion in their lifetime or these symptoms that strongly suggest that they may have had a concussion. Oh, well, tell me, what are some of the keys in the more difficult-to-diagnose concussions? What are some things to look out for, especially for kids playing sports or whatever? We might not think they have one, but they might. So right now, there's no real blood test. Um, we're working on it, but but they haven't had, uh, found one yet. But usually what we're looking at are symptoms, and some of the more common symptoms are things like headache, 
dizziness, feeling a little foggy in the head, um, sensitivity to light or to sound, even emotional changes um, are known to be signs of, of concussions uh, when they first happen. What about recovery and how long that takes? And I got to imagine this varies. How do you know somebody's coming out of it? That's a very, very good point. Um, it's very individual. The rate of recovery differs amongst individuals all the time. Typically for, for teenagers, uh, the younger take longer to recover. So teenagers, usually two, three, four weeks is what we're looking at. It's a gradual improvement. Um, you know, what we're really looking for are recovery of memory, thinking, headache or symptoms like that. So are they getting back to school? Are they able to keep up with their schoolwork? Are they be able to pay attention in their classes, take tests? They're the, some of the things that we're really looking for in the recovery. Can they go back to exercising? It's very important if your child does play a sport that they go back and no longer have any symptoms. If they go back symptomatic, there's a much higher rate of reconcussing in individuals that are still showing signs and symptoms of concussion. Overall in sports, and obviously we're in an NFL world here, are you seeing a decrease with some of the advancements in prevention going on with helmets and that sort of thing? I definitely think we're, um, it may not be necessarily a decrease, but we're doing a much better job of having it reported and doing a much better job of getting them treated. In the past, it never got reported, so the rate of concussion was very low. Mm. Nowadays, the rate might actually be a little higher, but because it's getting reported, I don't think it's happening more. I think we're doing a better job of reporting it, and if we're reporting it better, we're treating it better. If we're treating it better, then we have less risk of long-term problems down the road. Doctor, thanks so much for the information. We really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Stay safe. You too. Dr. Kenneth Padell of Houston Methodist Concussion Center, the official health care provider of the Houston Texans, Houston Methodist Leading Medicine. Great stuff there from Mark and the great doctors at Houston Methodist. Now it's time for Drew Doherty's final word. I started this probably about five or six years ago where I just said, you know what, Drew? I'm going to make this. He always would give me his, his interview with a player that he did. And I said, I'm going to make this Drew Doherty's final word. Like, you get the final word of any of our Texans radio shows heading into a weekend in which we're going to play. And even if we're not going to play, I always, even if it's a bye week on a Friday, I always give that to Drew. So tonight, it is with the aforementioned Brevin Jordan, Las Vegas, Bishop Gorman High School, University of Miami, and now a Houston Texan. And I know I'm thrilled about that. I hope he is as well. Here's Brevin Jordan with Drew Doherty and the final word. We've got tight end Brevin Jordan. Brevin, it's great to be with you. Rookie season is clipping right along. Team is looking for a win. How has practice been this week? What's it been like getting prepped for these Seahawks? It's been good. You know, just getting back out on the field. Anytime you take a loss, it feels good to just get back on the grass and just get back, you know, to what we love to do is play football. So we're just trying to bounce back. Sixth game for you as a professional. What's that been like? How much different are you now versus where you were going into that first game you played about a month or so ago? I think I'm more mature, definitely. I mean, when I first got here, I was just a – I mean, I'm still 21 years old, but I was just a little kid, you know, kind of just admiring the fact that I'm still in the NFL. And now that I've had to step up, I've had to grown up and go out there and really play. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, just – I think overall, I've just learned how to be a professional and just being in this league, learning how to be in it a long time. I've enjoyed it. How quickly did the admiring of the others get shoved to the side when you got into a game? <laughs> 
pretty quick. I mean, it happened pretty quick. I mean, I still look at like, you know, Brandon Cooks and just all those guys, those vets. I'm just like, man, I've been watching you guys for a long time. So to be on the same team with them is pretty unbelievable. What's been the biggest challenge of learning this offensive system that you're in? Everything. When I first got drafted and had to learn the system with AB, like through Zoom and stuff, right. it, it seemed like Chinese or like, I don't even know the way the plays were scripted and worded and everything the motions was just throwing me off it was completely different I didn't know anything yeah you're not alone you know years ago late in the season the Texans had some problems they had to bring in quarterbacks late and TJ Yates came in and he had played in a different offense with this team before and he said this is like learning Chinese but backwards so you're in good company there nothing wrong with that okay you rookies you guys are tight you guys all have all talked about you've talked about it publicly what's it been like being part of a class that every one of you is now playing and playing pretty extensively. Right. You guys are, are, are building blocks for the future here. It's awesome. I mean, we all lean on each other. I mean, when, when any, when any, whenever there's something going wrong or we need some clarity on something, it's always good to just go to, you know, somebody that I've been with yeah. from day one with and just is unbelievable. I mean, the, the whole rookie class, how we've come together and we've leaned on each other when we needed to lean on each other, you know, through the losses, through the wins, through everything. We've always just leaned on each other. Yeah, what's it like playing with Nico Collins and then your quarterback, Davis Mills? You guys have gotten a lot Those of reps together? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I've known Davis for quite some time. I mean, I've known of Davis for quite some time. He's a West Coast guy. Mm-hmm. Well, he's from Georgia, but he played at Stanford, so he's a West Coast guy. I know a little bit about him. And then Nico, that's my guy, man. Me and Nico always leaning on each other. We're two receivers, so we always just depending on each other. Good stuff. All right, let's talk about the Seattle defense. What impresses you most about the secondary and the biggest strengths of that unit? I will say how they fly to the ball. I mean, mm-hmm. they're 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 they are flyers to the ball. They do not play with that. I think that's just their whole motto, though, is they do want to fly to the ball and just make everything as havoc as possible. Yeah, no Jamal Adams. He's done for the season, but they're all very confident, whether you're talking to a coach, whether you're talking to a player, about the right. guys coming in in his places. We got to just see. We got to just go out there and play football. Everybody in this league is good, though, so we're not, just because Jamal Adams is not playing, we're still going to take Neil just as serious. Good stuff. All right, let's uh, see how you get powered for game day. Talk to me. What time do you go to bed the night before a noon game? Woo! I mean, so my bedtime every night, I try to be in bed by 9 o'clock, 9.30, no later. But I'd be so anxious and so ready to go on game days that it's hard for me to go to sleep. So, I mean, I, I can't even give you an exact answer, but I try to be in bed by 9.30. Gosh, I wish my children would get in bed by Man. 9. Oh, it's, it makes for long nights. Man. When you wake up in the morning, what are you eating for breakfast? Something simple. No, actually, it's not simple. Give me some hash browns, chocolate chip pancake, two pieces of bacon, Two pieces of chicken sausage with blackberries, raspberries, and strawberries. Give me some orange juice, a suja juice, and a water. About, oh, and a coconut water. Shout out to Sarah and Ladin to the whole nutrition game. What was the juice in between orange juice and water you're talking suja, about? Suja, suja, is that, that how you say it? The, green, the little green juices? Okay. Yeah, it has like celery, cucumber, lettuce. Yeah, pretty good? Pretty healthy. No, nah, not really. It's not, just good for you and good you need for you. that. Right. I got you. Good, good, good energy there. Right. Okay, what's the music that you're listening to? I'm listening to everything. My, I love music, so I mean... For me, I'm from Las Vegas, so I, I listen to a wide variety. I mean, I'll turn on some some Lil Baby to Lil Wayne. I'll turn on some Jason Aldean, Taylor Swift, Michael Jackson, whatever you want. You mix it I up. I got it. I got it, yeah. All right. You're from Las Vegas. And if you want to hear more about that, we're going to ask him some more Vegas questions in Drew's Dozen. But we appreciate the time. Yes, Brevin Jordan, go out there and knock him dead on Sunday against those Seattle Seahawks. Yes, sir. Appreciate you. So there you go. A little Brevin Jordan with Drew's Dozen earlier in the show. Fact, first segment. Kind of bookend. Brevin with Drew early, Brevin with Drew late, Brevin and Drew no football, Brevin and Drew, uh, Brevin and Drew a lot of football. That's what the final word is all about. It is about this game against the Seattle Seahawks. Kick is at noon. It's homecoming. Jonathan Joseph, I cannot wait to see J. Joe. 
I cannot wait to see him. JJO is the home field advantage captain. I have heard there will be on upwards of 60 former Texans in the building. I always love this game because now that I've been around the building a little bit more, there have been a lot of players that have come through the doors while I've been here that I've got a chance to know. Some of them I haven't seen for years. So I'm looking forward to that. I hope you are as well. Get in the building. Be loud. Let's go up against Russell Wilson. He is 2-0 against the Texans. Never lost to the Texans. And I am all for changing that bagel to a 1 and making him 2-1. and one. That would be kind of nice as the Texans would then take win number 3 of the year. But a lot of work to do to be able to do it. A lot of people to thank for this show. Got to thank Brevin Jordan. Got to thank Drew Doherty. D.P. Sidhu, who sat down with Tremont Smith. Mark Vandermeer, who chatted with David Cully. Got to thank my guy, Robert Harris, back in studio. Robert Harris Jr. doing a great job for me in studio, making sure that I don't say anything I'm going to regret. All of you for listening. As we get into this holiday season, we talk about Thanksgiving. Oh, that's a one day you give thanks. I, I give thanks for you guys every single day. Every, th- every single show, I always thank you at the end. And I know some of you think, well, you know, you just have to do it. No, I really, truly do appreciate the fact that I can sit here and talk ball all day. You guys listen. You support me. You support us. And we can't really honestly thank you enough. We'll see you on Sunday at NRG Stadium. Roof is going to be open. Get pumped. We'll see you then. And as always, go Texans. Always go Texans.